Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning, I believe that God wants you to know that uh, He has good things in store for you. You know, just like my kiddos had great plans um, in anticipation for spring break, break, God has great plans for you in store for your life. You know, I think a lot of times we go through hills and valleys and it's difficult and it's challenging. And, um, now let me tell you what, we cannot have hilltop experiences if there's not valley experiences and just the natural course of life. We have to realize that those are natural cycles. Those are natural rhythms and routines of life. You know, God never said that it would be easy or it'd be convenient um, I remember uh, as a child telling my mom, what's this big thing about knowing Jesus? Why do we even need to live life? Why don't we just go see him? You know, I didn't realize the challenges of life. And, you know, that was premature before life got difficult and challenging and hard. And we realized that there was a cost to following Christ that was going to be against the flow of culture. That was going to be a, against what most people uh, uh, pursue. You know that the Bible says that, you know, that the, the road to righteousness is narrow and very few find it. Right? So if, that, if, they, if it's implying that it's very narrow and very few find it, that means that, you know, Realistically, a lot of people are going to miss the gate. They're going to miss the entry point. How many of you have ever been going down the freeway at the speed limit and you miss your exit, right? Or you didn't see the exit coming. Now, how many of you know it's a lot easier if you know that the exit is coming to prepare for the exit? You know, there's, there's many a times, you know, my wife is my number one navigator or the lack thereof. I'm good when we don't change plans, but when we change plans, so what we did this weekend, we were going to go eat at a different restaurant. Now, we didn't miss the road, but we've missed the road before because of this. So she'll pull up another destination on her phone, but her phone is not connected to my truck's navigational voice. Now, you know what that means? In one mile, you are exiting right. So I got a whole mile to figure it out, right? So what she'll do, she'll have it navigating on her phone, but she will get distracted with what she's doing on her phone and forget that this side navigation is now the primary navigation and I'm not getting it as the primary navigation. And then we get right to the exit and I'm two lanes over and I get this rude awakening of like, you're exiting now. (laughs) One of two things. (laughs) I got it wide open and I can do it or I got to go what? I got to miss the exit. I got to go a little further down the road. I got to turn around. I got to come back. I got to go before my exit. And then I make the, de- then I make the exit. And then I finally get to the de- destination that I'm supposed to get to. Now I'll tell you that funny story because for you to realize that sometimes we just miss the exit and it's inconvenient and I can get frustrated. I can get irritated, but you know what I've learned? Just go with the flow, baby. You'll get there a little bit later than you planned. Thank God you can always take the next exit, turn around, and come back. You know, we're always in such a hurry to get to our destination that sometimes that's why we miss our destination, right? But whatever is sidetracking you or whatever place that you're at in your navigation of life, I believe that God has a plan to get you on the right destination today. 
He wants to realign you. Oh, man, I love, you know. So the other, the other funny thing is I have to turn off mine because at some point I get so irritated. Please turn around at your next convenience. You know, it's turn around, turn around, turn around. I'm like, shut up. Like I'm listening. To, I'm trying not to listen to this one, and I'm trying to listen to this one. So in life, realize that we have two voices in our lives sometimes like that too, where we need to discern which voice are we listening to if we're going to get to the correct destination, right? So the best thing to do, turn off the one that I'm not getting to to make sure that I get to the place where I want to get to, okay? So this morning, we're going to look at, this is our last uh, series, last part of our series this morning. We're going to look at Proverbs 8 and 9. And through the course of this series, these family matters, we've looked at a lot of content. We've covered tons of passages. How many of you going through these book of Proverbs has helped you? How many of it rubbed you in a whole bunch of wrong kind of places that you didn't like? You're like, you know, it's a little abrasive. It's, it's a little, it's a little uh, it causes you to evaluate where you're at. It, it causes you to align your way of thinking with scripture. But the cool thing is it's really a, a counterculture message, right? If we look at what culture's saying and we look at what scripture's saying, it is contrary to, uh, to what it's saying. And if we will follow the instructions, if we will follow the roadmap, not that there won't be valleys and hills, but we will get to the destination that God wants us to. So just a super, super quick recap. If you didn't journey with us through this uh, series, we started looking at the mold and then we look the, the model, the mold and mentoring. And today we're going to look at multiply. Now, when we look at modeling, just real, real quick, if you missed these, any part of this series, you can go back and we have a, we have a podcast. We're that fancy. We got a podcast. So if you look it up, Harvest Time Church podcast, you can get all of the back sermons um, it's just the message, so you can kind of get through them quick. I talk fast anyway. If you bump that thing to 1.5, we'll get quick. We'll get through it a lot faster. You might not understand what I'm saying, but uh, you can get through that content uh, because there's some really valuable nuggets in these. So when we talked about model, that talked about the, the, the husband and the wife, the model of the system, right? We talked about the cookie cutter. So if we have a broken cookie cutter, we are recreating that same pattern over and over again. And if we start with a broken pattern, guess what? Got a lot of troubles right out of the gate. So the model of the home, a husband and a wife. Then we looked at molding. That's the childbearing years of raising and equipping and molding and shaping, forming and fashioning our young ones uh, to be all that God has called them to be. And then we talked about mentoring, that mentoring is not just for our children, but it's for us also. It's something that is to be a continuation throughout a lifetime of assistance to help us be all that we can be. It's the training wheels. It's kind of the, the bumpers on the bowling, you know, to make sure that we're hitting the mark that God wants us to. And now multiplication, that's where we're at today. So if we are really modeling and we are molding and we are mentoring, we should expect multiplication. If we've worked that hard, we've, we've, we've invested in our children. And the way that we multiply is through generations, Right? The grandparents begin to invest in the great-grandchildren. The great-grandchildren get learned, and they're being taught by their parents. They're being taught by their great-grandparents. And God willing, they're, being, they're even being exposed to our great-great-grandparents. Like, depending on, you know, has some Hispanics on my side. They live a long time. Right? You know, there's like four generations alive at one time. They spoke Spanish. So I couldn't talk to them much. But, you know, abuela and mijo, and that was the extent, hug, hug, and that's it. Uh, but generations, right? So uh, we, we create and multiply our lives through generations. Now, I love addition, but I love multiplication because multiplication causes your numbers to change rather drastically. You know, I know that even in our home, you know, my mom had, you know, we had three kids. She had three kids and then we adopted two more. 
Well, when the multiplication started happening is when the kids began to have kids. So now, before you could take a nice little family picture like that, you know what you got to do now? You got to turn that phone on its side because the family has expanded. It has grown. And as children begin to have children and begin to multiply, that is really what I believe God had in mind when he said, be fruitful be, and multiply in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Verse 28 said, God bless them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. That is multiplication. That is create, you know, that is creating, uh, and it says to rule and reign and subdue the earth. So that was the commission. So I was thinking this morning, what is a good way to really illustrate what, when we talk about multiplying or multiplication, what is a good example? How many of you have ever watched a 400 meter relay race? You've watched it, right? It's really cool to watch. What is the number one thing that you can do to mess everything up? Drop the baton. You drop the baton. Man, if you're the first and second guy and you drop the baton, three and four is looking at you like this, mean mugging you and being like, really? All you had to do was pass it. So I, st- I looked at, I thought about the relay and then I started thinking about the concept of it. How many of you have always heard the theory in these races, always put your fastest guy last? Most of you, That's, that has been a practice for a long time. So a guy got into the systematic way of how to actually win races. Because let me tell you what, if your first person runs last, but is so far behind the amount of meters that they have to run, they will never catch up because they're so far behind. So I got into the theory of it, of, of talking about, go ahead and go to that next slide. So this is a good visual of how it works. So when you run a relay, um, the first runner has to have a very good start. They got to get out of the blocks. They got to run. They got to focus. Now that first one is on the bottom. You're looking at the same thing. The bottom right, and they're going to run the bend. Then your second one is going to run a straightaway. Your third one's going to run a bend, and then your last one's going to run a straightaway. So every time this transition happens, you're going to pass the baton. Now, it's critical to make sure that you pass the baton. But in this race, the first runner has to get a great start, and they have to be fast over 60 to 80 meters. That's how far they have to run. And ideally, they want to, they want to transfer the baton as close to the 90-meter mark as possible. Why does this matter? So that your second runner can run 120 meters. And you know who your fastest guy is? That 120-meter guy, he's running a straightaway, and, and, he, and he's the second one to, to take off. Your third guy is running 80 meters, and he's running a bend, okay? Now, you know where you put the slowest guy? Right there. Because the same rule applies. Now, just because you can't, just cut how you can't catch up in a short distance, guess what? It's hard to lose a lot of distance over a short distance also. So your slowest guy will always run number three, and they're running a bend. It is harder to run fast on a bend, even though they're booking it. So what it looks like, that first one runs a total of 90, the second one 120, and the third one 80. And then it's passed to the last runner. Now this runner, they're going to get as close to the 110 meter mark as possible. So this last runner, you know what is deter- you know what this last runner has to have? What is it? They have to have grit. They have to have determination and they cannot let anyone pass them. They can't give up the fight. So there's two reasons. First, they wanna have internal fight, but they also wanna fight hard because guess what? All other three racers have depended on this last guy. Now, think about it in life. Where you're at today, you didn't get there just running the race alone. Somebody started, had a good start, 
Let's just look at this church just for a minute, right? Pastor Jim and Sharon founded this church. I don't know how quick of a start it was. Sure, it's a lot of work. So I was running that bend for sure, Pastor. Like, you know, he was, he was getting it going, but man, got it off to a great start. And, you know, then we went through some transitions and, you know, we are in the process of, of running a great race in the life of this church. Pastor Jim had a big vision that it was always going to be bigger than just him running. He always said, if the, if the church outsurvives me that lasts longer than I am alive, I have been successful. So what was he focused on? He was focused just on the first leg of the race. And then the next pastor, the next leg of the race. The next pastor, next leg of the race. <laughs> I'm, thir- I'm third, so am I the slowest? <laughs> I don't know about that theory. Uh, but it will depend on what we do to set the last guy up for a chance to win the race. It still matters. Every leg of the race matters. So when we're, when we're raising children, when we're growing, when we're continually investing, we've put a lot of effort into not fumbling the baton, to running our leg of the race, but also commissioning and encouraging the next one to run. But that's where multiplication, that's where each of us playing our part matters. So we each have to focus on our part. And I believe that when we do that, and we do each leg of the race well, multiplication starts happening, all right? So we'll get back. We'll talk about that in just a minute. I want to jump into this Proverbs because we're going to cover eight and nine, and i got to move, all right, because there's a lot of content. Um, but as we look at this, just know that if you have grandchildren, and if you are blessed with great-grandchildren, you are in the multiplication season of your life. You know, grandparents, you are not done. Continue to assist those parents, invest in those kids, I know a lot of grandparents don't, don't spank their grandkids. They're like, I ain't spanking them. That's your problem. I'm kind of like, man, if they're acting the fool, set them right. I don't know. <laughs> you know but it, continue to invest. You, you, have, you have more wisdom than all of us, right? There's, 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 there's wisdom in age and wisdom with experience that we cannot get on our own. Only time teaches us that. So. But the, the blessing of wisdom, we look at Proverbs 8, 1 through 5. So there is a blessing that comes with having wisdom. If I were to stop right now, I hope that you already have come to the place of realizing wisdom is a good thing. Wisdom should be something you're pursuing after, you know. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Right? I've never, I've never had anybody say, oh, well, wisdom is just a horrible thing. Self-confidence is a horrible thing, but godly directed, you know, spiritual counsel wisdom is always valuable. So the blessing of wisdom, let's jump into this text, uh, Proverbs 8, 1 through 5. So it says, does wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. So remember we talked about Lady Wisdom calling out saying, hey, pay attention. She sits at the highest point where the paths meet. How many of you know at crossroads are a lot of times where we need that wisdom? Where something changes, something's different, we're navigating, we're making hard life choices. That's when we need wisdom. I don't need wisdom when it's convenient and I'm not making any major life choices. But I need wisdom in decision making and at those crossroads. So she cries out, Lady Wisdom cries out. Verse 4 says, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. Now, in that passage, it says, I raise my voice to just the select few. 
No, she raises her voice to all mankind. She is calling out to all mankind. Wisdom is being offered to all of you. Now, you have to accept that wisdom. You have to receive that wisdom. Now, just for a moment, I want to challenge you parents that, parents, you have been given the, the position of instilling wisdom in the lives of your children. You've been entrusted that. You should know some things that your kids don't know. Right? I think navigating and directing, I know a lot of times, you know, as, as children, we don't want to hear it, but it is still our responsibility as parents to instill those things that we know they need to know. Okay? So in that, you know, there's a lot of noise, background noise that's competing for your attention. But in this passage, what did it say that, that wisdom sounds like? It says she shouts, she raises her voice to all mankind. So we know there's a lot of noise fighting for your children's attention. But parents, uh, wisdom does not whisper. It does not mumble. So make sure your voice doesn't whisper and mumble either. Make sure your children hear you. They need to hear you. Say, I don't have any kids, Pastor. I believe God has spiritual children all around you that you do not even know about. Amen. You know, I had a, had a text come through, and somebody gave me permission. It says, the same authority I have over my children I give to you. That is a strong, strong statement because I, I don't give that lightly. But to be given that, it, man, it's like this, this weight of like, oh, man, like people would give me authority and responsibility over their children like I'm their father. We have to realize that spiritual kids are like that. We've been given permission and, and authority from God to instill things. You may be the only voice that some children will hear. Make sure your voice is loud. Make sure your voice is intentional and let it be a call of wisdom, amen? It's because you don't have any kids or they're grown. Hey, go find some kids. Start throwing some wisdom their way. They need it. We all need it. Never woke up and said, huh, I don't need wisdom anymore. I'm good. Anybody got, the, anybody arrived? All right. So we need to continue to hear it. Verse five, you who are simple, gain, gain prudence. That means to learn prudence. You, you, are, you who are foolish, set your hearts on it. So it says, learn sense. So the simple need prudence, and those who are foolish, you need to set your hearts on wisdom. That needs to be kind of the bullseye of your life. You need to focus on getting that wisdom. All right, and then verses 6 through 11 kind of talks about the call and benefits of wisdom. So if wisdom itself was not good enough, there is, there's benefits of pursuing wisdom. Um, I just feel like, you know, uh, Solomon has just continued to like, if you don't want wisdom, I don't know what's wrong with you. That's kind of like where it's at at this point, nine chapters in, that we would see the value of wisdom. But this is what it says starting in verse 6. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. Verse 7, my mouth speaks what is true. From my lips de de detest wickedness. So wickedness is an abomination. Wickedness you know, has nothing to do with wisdom. Wisdom and wickedness are in conflict. They, they are not even in the same category. Okay, it says verse, verse eight, all of these words of my mouth are just, none of them are crooked or perverse. Now I started thinking about this. I was like, how can wisdom's words never be crooked, never be perverse, but yet they are always just. Just has to do with righteousness. And then I started thinking, the Spirit of God spoke through Solomon these words of wisdom that he jotted down and he wrote 
for us. But wisdom is always just and wisdom is always right. And, and then I started connecting and said, well, wisdom and God work hand in hand. Wisdom is from God. Wisdom is God. Like godly wisdom. Like that's where it's going to come from. That's going to be the source. So wisdom's agenda is actually God's agenda. And God's agenda is actually wisdom's agenda. So when we look at wisdom, it's always noble, it's always right, it's always true, and it's always righteous. So the scripture says, it says that it's always right, always just, always true, and always righteous. The same characteristics of God. Verse 9, to the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found or have discovered knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. So pursue instruction and knowledge over silver and gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. So nothing you desire compares to wisdom. Think about that just for a minute. Nothing you desire. Think about it. What is something that you've desired in your life? Now, you may have to go back to that Christmas list a long time ago when you, you were desiring something. Whatever you desire, it says that wisdom is more precious. Nothing compares to wisdom. Think about it for a minute. Man, this right here, I really, I desire, I long, I want this. As, as, as valid and as meaningful as you feel that those things are, it says wisdom does not compare doesn't even sit on the same shelf. It is the highest level of what we should be pursuing. All right? Verse 12 through 21. So this is where wisdom is a little personified and begins to kind of speak who she is, the characteristics, the nature. Verse 12, it says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. So you can't have wisdom without prudence, and you can't have prudence without wisdom. They're connected, right? Um. You're going to have wisdom um, and, and be wise and all those things. So wisdom also um, has at its disposal knowledge and discretion. Verse 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. So how we show the, the love of God is that we hate that which is evil. Now, this Proverbs, has a, it always does a great job communicating the list you know why I like a list? A list really allows me to see myself for who I really am. If the list is there, and what we do a lot of times, man, I like one, I like two, I don't like three, but I like four and five. You ever done that? You like wish it wasn't there, like because there's one of those that always kind of nails you to the wall. But it says that, you know, when we, when we look at the word and we don't do what the word says, it's like looking at our face and then walking away and immediately we forget what we've seen. That's what it's like. How many of you have ever walked up to the mirror and you smiled real big and you had something in your teeth? Big old piece of broccoli. I'm going to say broccoli because broccoli is awesome, man. Like there ain't no way hiding that. How many of you, after seeing that, you're like, oh man, that broccoli's cool and you just walk off and leave it? Anybody? Because that's what it's like when the word of God has pinpointed something in our life that needs to be removed. And God really, really wants it to be just as simple for you to take that thing and remove it and throw it in the trash where it belongs rather than carrying it and allowing it to be part of you. Because how many of you, you don't even know it's there. Your buddies ain't even telling you it's there. I mean, I guess your real friends be like, hey, you got, come here. 
Get your hands out of my mouth, right? You know, like, uh, but your real friends are going to tell you what is there. You know, I always try to do that because, like, man, I hope somebody hooks me up, man, if I got something going on. And, you know, I don't need to warn me quickly, right? But that's what it's like. If there's been something that God has pinpointed, you know, we can't just close our eyes and be like, oh, da, 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 and pretend it wasn't there. I think deep down, really, when we see that imperfection or we see that area that God illuminates, you know what I think our spirit really says? Man, I want that gone. I don't want that there anymore. And by the power of God, if you will just grab that thing and you'll take hold of it and you'll fling it to the pit of hell where it belongs, it will no longer be part of you. Or you can be like, oh, just walk away. That's not God's heart for you. He wants that word to illuminate. He wants that thing to reveal you. So when he gives you a list and he shows you what's evil or he shows you what's righteous, that's what we should be looking at. Verse 14 continues to communicate who wisdom is. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight and I have power. Look at that list real quick. I have counsel, I have sound judgment, I have insight, and I have power. Why why would I not want all of those things? Well, I don't want sound judgment today. Who needs counsel? Fooey on that. I don't need insight. I'll take all of those. This is who wisdom is. And then it goes on to say, by me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. So when we seek for wisdom, we can find this wisdom. It says, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. So when we get wisdom, we also get riches and honor, enduring uh, wealth uh, and, and righteousness that leads to prosperity. Right, so I don't just get wisdom. Wisdom comes with a lot of uh, visual, tangible blessings in my life. Do you realize a little bit of wisdom in one area will give me wisdom in other areas? It's not like just one faceted to where like wisdom applies just to this thing. When I get wisdom, it helps me make good sense of things in multiple areas. You know, God will show you and he will direct you what to do by his spirit when you don't know what to do. Um, How many of you guys have ever um, felt like you've had a closed door in your life? If you know what I mean by that, you know what I mean. But, you know, and then you've had an open door. I remember a long time ago when I was trying to buy a home and I wanted to buy this house and I was so frustrated. I actually kept going up on the bids and they kept turning me down. I was like, man, I don't know how much money I'm going to have to spend. Man, I was trying to judo kick that closed door in my life few weeks later, another house showed up for a fraction of the price. And I got that house instead. Now, let me tell you what, what wisdom taught me in that situation was never, ever, ever kick down a closed door. Don't do it. Right. And if the, if, if I, if I walk up and the door's open now, first I say, God, did you open this door? Cause I believe that there's doors that the devil can open too. And I get wisdom and I say, Lord, is this in your way? Is this what you have for me? Hey, but I just wanted that house. That wasn't what was best. I still may be paying on that joker if I'd have bought that other house. But God knew what he was doing now, what he needed to do then because he knew where I was going to be now. Now, I think sometimes God will give you what you get and what you want. What is it? You get what you get and don't throw a fit. You heard that when you ever told your kids that? Some adults, same way. Man, oh, I'm in debt up to my throat and this truck payment's killing us. You bought the truck. Did we pray about the truck? Did we pray about the boat? Did we pray about the house? Did we pray about everything? 
Because wisdom will give us direction in all things. Remember the light. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hit the brakes, baby. I got a red light. This means no go. Do not pass go. Do not collect your $200. Right? Green light. I'm moving forward. But what? I'm still proceeding with caution. Because I got a lot of other crazy drivers out there. Got it? You guys remember that? I want that to stick. I want those things. When we're asking for wisdom, you know, wisdom, we need to not just pay attention to us, but pay attention to others. But he'll show us. It says wisdom gives all these things. It, he helps you govern. But he'll give you riches and enduring wealth and righteousness that leads to pro, uh, prosperity. Verse 19, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So just to reiterate, uh, he, 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 he endows or he causes a rich inheritance. But where I'm asking for that rich inheritance is not in money. I'm asking for that rich inheritance over my children and my children's children. But, man, if God's goodness and his wisdom is not enough, and it says, and he also makes their treasuries full. That is the money side of that. Treasury, prosperity, being able to store up a great inheritance for my children. Is, is part of my heart. So understanding that wisdom is woven into all of creation is, per, is personified. Uh, and it, in these next few passages, actually claims a little bit of credit with God. They work together. So perfect wisdom, we have to understand, comes from God and is God. Okay? Now, a lot of people may say, oh, well, this, I, I don't know if this is talking about wisdom. Understand, we've been talking about wisdom the whole time. So to keep this passage in context, it is implying that wisdom is who it's talking about, okay? It says, then the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was formed long, uh, long, ago, long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When, the, when there were, I'm in verse 24, I'm sorry. Uh, when there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills I was given birth, before he made the world or its fields or anything of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that waters wouldn't overstep his command, and when he marked out the, the foundations of the earth. Uh, Then I was constantly by his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in in the whole world and delighting in mankind. So we see wisdom accompanying God. Wisdom comes from God. God is wisdom and wisdom that comes from God will never, ever, ever fail. In perfect wisdom, he said, ocean, you will stop right here. Perfect wisdom. God knew where Texas needed to be. Stop the coastline right there. You know, I've always wondered, like, man, why does it not like? Why does it stop there? We know we have high tide and low tide. Why does it stop right there? Because God established it that way. So his word says, I said stop right there. You don't, that's it. Does it do that? Yeah. But God and wisdom, they go hand in hand. You can't have wisdom and not have God. When you seek God's counsel, you're going to get wisdom. They're tied together. They're meshed together. God and wisdom work alongside each other, providing a perfect plan and a process, all right? Verses 32 to 36, wisdom's kind of closing call in, in, this, in this chapter. It says, now then, my children, listen to me, verse 32. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. 
do, do not uh, um, disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watch daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find, find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. So that's the first half. When we seek the favor of God, when we search for him, we'll be blessed. We'll have wise instruction. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me who are, you know, just waiting, lingering for the next word from the Lord. Verse 36, but those who fail to find me, fail to find me, harm themselves. All who hate me love death. So finding wisdom, we will find favor with the Lord. But those who fail to find him actually harm themselves. And if you hate wisdom, you will love death. Pretty simple, man. When I look at it, I know what I want. You know, I just think it's just super, super important. All right? Let's keep moving. Proverbs 9, 1 through 12. The way of wisdom. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. So understand that the word is set seven pillars and it's talking about food and all these things. So the significance of seven is the, 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 the conveying the sufficiency of this house, that it is full in size and it is fit for a banquet, that it is not lacking, it is complete. Every time you see the number seven, it talks about completion in scripture. So there, it, it is secured, it's established, it is well built. Uh, verse three, it says, she has set out, uh, she has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come and eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the ways of insight. So Lady Wisdom, once again, is calling out to those with no sense. She's saying, come and eat and drink at the table of wisdom. It's been prepared, but you have to come and partake. The whole point is to come and eat and come to feed and come to enjoy. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever, have, do I have any pool owners here? Do you have, a, you have a pool at your house? Man, my in-laws ain't here. They'd be all. So how many of you, okay, let me give you a few framework. Pools are not cheap. That's why you're like, that's why we ain't got none, right? First off, they are expensive to maintain, Right? And how many of you would ever get a pool? Okay, let's do it hypothetically because nobody has pools in here, okay? Uh, so how many of you would purchase a pool, you would pay for it, you would maintain it, but never get in it? I got one guy over here, he says, I'd never get in it. But, but the, the whole point of having a pool is what does it do on a hot day? Man, it refreshes. Man, what does it do for your children? That's why, man, my in-laws, that's the best pool I never owned. I show up, I got a key, that pool's never closed. Uh, but man, you know the joy it brings to my children? They don't know the blessing that that is. It's like, man, we always got a pool available. Like they've never not, n- never known not having a pool. But it brings life, it brings excitement. Very, I mean, if my kids are fighting, they might be a, a, mad, a sad moment at the pool, but it's always a happy time. But to enjoy the full benefits of the pool, you got to get in it. Just like to reap the benefits of wisdom, you got to come to the table and you got to start eating and feeding on those things that are going to sustain life, right? Not just those things that, you know, it's like, ah, you know, I'm not interested. You know, my daughter, my little one, man, she's at this place. She won't eat anything. Like we went to a restaurant yesterday. I said, you get macaroni? I don't like that kind of macaroni. I'm like, do you not like macaroni? Like you either love it or it's like, it just tastes different. Super, super picky. 
I think a lot of times we come to God's banqueting table and in the same way, we turn our nose up to it because we don't know the benefits of it. Now, macaroni is not that healthy. But there are things that will nourish you, that will sustain you. There, are certain, there's a, there's a diet that you need to be the most healthy that you can be. There is a method to that madness. But let me tell you what, what God feeds at his banqueting table is nourishment and it is good for you. Sometimes it may not see, it may fit, fit, seem like the greens or the, the what is she, she uh, I gave her some steamed carrots because I'm like, oh man, they're steamed and they're buttered. Like, why are you not, I mean, you're doctoring up a, a vegetable. And then I gave her a green bean. She says, well, I ate my green beans. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, just the bean inside. And I'm like, this is kind of the finickiness. I was like, that ain't even like, is that even like the bean? Like, I mean, I don't know. What I want you to realize is some of us are really living like that. Where every time the Lord serves something up, he says, man, this is good for you. This is the missing ingredient that you need in a well, healthy diet. We're pushing away and say, ah, we don't like that. And you know what the sad thing is? Just like my daughter, you don't even try it. You don't even try it yet. It may be the best thing ever, but until you try it, let me tell you what, the things of God are enjoyable. The flavoring that God brings in our life is sustainable. I've never said, oh, now, there's been hard things to like chew and God's doing something. But most of the time, man, he, he, he kind of mixes like, you know, it's kind of like that salt and pepper or the, the, the salty and sweet concoction. Like sometimes like, ooh, it's a bit, ooh, but man, he put something on that that made it digestible. That's kind of how God does it. Things that you think, man, oh, it's going to be hard to swallow. No, he makes it easy to swallow. He makes it easy to digest, but it's your responsibility to get it on the inside of you. And that's what the word of God does. Um, man, I would have concluded my message, but I got to get through this Proverbs. I'm sorry. Uh, did everybody read the, did everybody, did everybody read? Who did not read? Your man only got one honest person in here. All y'all read? Come on, man. Okay. Uh, let me paraphrase because I really want to get to the end of this. Um, so it, it talks about the way of wisdom and then it talks about the way of folly Wisdom is calling out, you know, calling out to those with no sense, um, understanding that, you know, instruction to the wise will make the wise wiser. Uh, correction to the, to the mocker will make them hate you. They will not receive it. They will push that plate away and they'll say, I'm not even interested in that. But those who are wise, when they're rebuked or they're corrected, they become wiser Perhaps they've seen that it's good for creating the kind of character and the person that God demands. Instruct the wise and they'll still be wiser. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Verse 9. Verse 10. I do want to camp on this just for a minute. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One. Of the Holy One is understanding. So the fear of the Lord, we talk, we've talked a lot about that. That is just reverence and awe of who God is. The knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom. But it says the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. That word knowledge there, I actually looked it up. It means actually to know intimately. When Adam, when in, in the Garden of Eden where it says Adam knew Eve intimately, that's what it's implying. When you really, really know God intimately, the Holy One, then you will have understanding in who he is. Do you know somebody that you know intimately, you can trust them on a whole nother level? Like trust is hard to gain, right? How many of you know trust is easy to lose, right? So intimacy and, and, and trusting God, it is, he is credible. He is trustworthy that we can trust him in all of the things that he does. 
But it's in that deep level of intimacy that we can really trust and we can share maybe these deep things or the things in our heart with God and see those things changed. All right? Mm, let me keep moving. All right, let's, let's look on the other side of it, Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. So folly, uh, it talks about the way of folly here. So folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. So what this is implying, unruly really is loud, rowdy, boisterous. You ever heard anybody making a scene in the restaurant? You're like, ah, it's being, being loud. That's what folly looks like. She is simple. That word there means gullible or believes anything. Okay, and knows nothing. So that is a horrible combination of, of variables there. In verse 14, it says, She sits at the door of her house on the seat of the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go on the straight path. Now notice, she is targeting those who pass by and are on the straight path. Trying to sway you, trying to manipulate you, trying to get you to turn in her direction. And verse 17 um, uh, 16 says, those who are simple, come to my house. Those who lack uh, sense, pay attention. Verse 17, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Verse 18, but little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. So the me a meal that is, that, that is um, stolen or you, you know, manipulated, it may taste sweet and tasty, but ultimately this meal will kill you. Got through nine chapters in Proverbs. Now, some of you may say, man, it's the most Bible I ever read all year. I pray you don't stop. But keep reading Proverbs. There's a, there's a rule, Proverbs a day. Keep that devil away, right? You know, like January 1, read Proverbs 1, January 2, and then, you know, and they're short reads. The more, the more we get in us, the more wisdom we have the more learning we have. Um, I know we spend a lot of time learning things. Why do we not spend enough time, and I'm just gonna be honest, enough time with this book? Reading, meditating, saying, Lord, what do you mean by that? Because the moment you don't understand something, you can ask for wisdom, and God will show you. James 1, 23 through 25. I'll just paraphrase it because I already said it. You know, anyone who looks or listens to my word, but does not do what it says. is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But those who do the word of God, it gives freedom. And if they continue in it, it'll continue to provide freedom. Don't forget what you've heard, but do what it says. And that promise of that last part of that passage says, they will be blessed in what they do. And that's an amazing promise. Um, in closing, I want you to focus on one thing. I've seen a lot of people get into hyper law, which means, man, they are just, man, all about, you know, dotting the I and crossing the T's that, man, they're just focusing on what they're doing or what they're not doing. And I see people hyper grace. I don't matter what I do, brother. I'm saved by grace. The blood is enough. And you know, Paul reprimands says, hey, that's not what the blood's for. What I've learned in my long, short life <laughs> is to have balance between both. I look intently into the law because I want to know what pleases God and what doesn't. But then I also rest under grace because I know I can't fulfill the law by just what I'm doing because I'm falling short. So what do we do? Can you stand up with me? 
we keep our eyes on Jesus this morning. Because when we focus on Jesus, not on what I do or don't do, it will begin to change me from the inside out. I want you to focus on who he is through you. The grace of God working in and through you. If there's good things happening, don't say, well, look at me. Say, no, look at God and what he's working in and through you. Now, there's one thing I want us to focus on before I release you this morning. There are many, many, many people that go to church often, but never truly give God complete control in your life. What are you talking about, Pastor? How many of you have ever rode in a car with somebody that can't drive worth a, worth a lick, scares the living daylights out of you? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about get out of the driver's seat. You're no longer in control of your life and let Jesus navigate where you're going. It's a surrendering of your will. Like we go over the cliff, Lord, I go with you. There is this unwavering trust and release of control because as long as you remain in control, your life will never be what God intended it to be. You have to release it. You have to let loose, right? But the only way for God to take over control is for you to get out of the driver's seat and say, God, I give you complete control of my life. If you are still Lord of your life right now, there's no room for God to be Lord of your life. You have to surrender that. So that's where we're going to end this morning. And if there's something in your life that you just haven't surrendered, or maybe you've never done that, you say, well, I prayed the prayer, but I, I was kept trying to drive this car myself. You got to get out of, you got to let God just take care of those things. And I've been talking to my wife a lot about just, man, struggling with uh, burdens of so many people hurting and going through hard things. Man, I make it so personal. And I mean, I guess that makes me a good pastor, but it's going to kill your pastor. <laughs> So I'm in that driver's seat saying, Lord, you got to take care of this. And, and, I, and I'm going to write a list and say, Lord, all of these people with all of these problems, with all of these things, Lord God, you got to help them because I care a whole lot and I know you care a whole lot and I can do nothing for them because pastor's kind of straddling, <laughs> sitting on that center console. <laughs> Let me help you, Lord. And what he wants to completely do is get me completely out of the driver's seat where my unwavering trust is in who he is in the things that I really, really care about. But guess what? The cool thing is, if my heart is aligned with God, the things that I really, really care about, guess what? He cares about those too. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know. I mean, man, this was like a love-hate relationship going through these Proverbs. But this morning, I can invite the prayer team up if you're here. So we'll have prayer teams available. If you want to pray with somebody, man, they're here for you. If you want to just flood the altars and come forward and just get right between you and the Lord, that's okay also. But I want you today, before you leave, to truly surrender your life. If you're a Christian and you've never done it, you're like, man, I've been a Christian a long time, but like I thought I was supposed to kind of like do the work. Man, it's really way less about you and a whole lot more about what God wants to do in and through you. So you just got to get out of the way, give him the keys. And move over. If it takes a left, don't correct. Hey, you no, know, you're supposed to. Whatever you say, Lord. Wherever we go. I'm going to pray over you. And then uh, if you want prayer this morning, go ahead and come forward. And if you want prayer specifically with, with, a, with a, a team, then they're here for you. But let me pray over you. Lord, I thank you this morning for all the work you're doing. Father, for the areas of our heart that you're just dealing with, that 
man, are so much bigger than we can bear or we can deal with. And Father, all you care about is our heart. You care about our lives. Father, you do care about, you know, our, our, our multiplication of generations. And Father, we can't do that without you. Father, with your wisdom and your guidance. But Lord, I really believe that we just start by surrendering. Surrender of our lives, surrendering our control. And Father, we just trust you. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, your spirit goes with us. Father, I pray that uh, we would be so marked by your presence often that we would immediately know what is right and what is wrong. Father, I pray that uh, we would be people of wisdom. But Lord, at the same time, God, I pray that we would not be judgmental to those who are lacking wisdom, but Father, that we would just urgently pray on behalf of them that they would come to their senses as the same wisdom that called us calls out to them. Father, if there's someone here that uh, doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you draw their hearts and that today would be the day of a start of a relationship with you that they've never known or never had. Lord, as we go from this place, I pray you go with us. Lord, I thank you for all your goodness, all your grace, all your mercy. Lord, I don't always like the list of the law, but Lord, I thank you, God, that it deals with my heart. And God, we give you permission to change whatever you need to change and illuminate whatever you need to illuminate. And Father, give us the grace to walk out whatever you ask us to do. If you're willing this morning, can you just, in a, in a quiet voice of your own, say, Lord, I release control. And I give you control of my life. And I believe right where you're at, if you will make that the cry of your heart, I think it will add years to your life. To where the problems, the burdens, the worries, the insecurities, all of those are God's problem. It's not your problem. And you're just on the road to a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. But it's way more about him than it is about you. Lord, I pray you bless each one here. Lord, I pray you do whatever you want to do in this place. And Father, that you would change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.